You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. Or are you, Aaron? Oh, boy. Or are you? Come on, Dave. Be professional. Uh, This is a biracial American history podcast. Now, each week, I, man with knees, lover of all dogs, sometimes roller on the grass. What are you doing? Dave Anthony. What's your problem? Reads a story from American history. family. To his nemesis. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. And I'm not your nemesis. Stop saying that. You don't get to choose. I do, too. You don't get to choose if you're my nemesis. I choose my nemesis. I just think it's a weird choice. Really? Yes, it's a very weird choice. You think about all the shit you've put me through? What have I done to you? And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy! Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it Farfan? And this is we not going to become the Tiggly podcast. Okay. This is like Anarchy! And a five-part coefficient. <laughs> Come on, Rose, let's play! Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo! No sleep tell hippo! Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Uh, 1786. Okay. Or 1792. All right. Somewhere in there. Okay. Marie Ioe was born into the Iowa tribe. Okay. Possibly in St. Louis, in the Missouri area there. Sure. When she was still a teenager, she married Pierre Dorian Jr., Okay. Pierre was the son of the French impersonator, uh, sorry, interpreter. Oh, Dave. <laughs> you know which one I want it to be. Oh, that's right. They bought it. Gentlemen, they bought it again. <laughs> the French interpreter who traveled with Lewis and Clark on their expedition. Uh-huh. So, uh, Pierre Sr. was uh, French Creole. I'm starting to worry that he's not French. <laughs> uh, what is the worry? What, too big? Too small? What are you after? Huh? Me in the French? I'm an interpreter, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, Pierre Senior was French Creole, a descendant of the uh, Acadians, uh, who we met in uh-huh. a previous episode. Uh, he traveled the western frontier and spent time with different Native American tribes. He married a Sioux woman, and they had children, one of whom was Pierre Jr. So Irving... Uh, uh, I should say the name. Washington Irving wrote a lot of this. Okay. Uh, so he wrote um, that father and son would sometimes drink uh, together and then get in fights when they got older, not when he was sure, not a when baby. Was, yeah. Well, would not surprise me anyway. Uh, uh, Pierre Jr. often won those fights. Okay. If you can beat a real man, that's cool. And, yeah. And, uh, well, you don't have that addiction to alcohol that he has, so you can just get a buzz going, right. whereas he's like, I need to not remember this. <laughs> Pierre Jr. Uh, grew up married a woman from the uh, Yankton tribe uh, named Holy Rainbow. Nice. All right. That name came from, it's like the guy that saw the double rainbow. Holy rainbow. That guy. That's that the guy's the best. the best. Double rainbow guy. And the best part, I think, is I believe at one point he thinks it might be a triple rainbow. Yeah, that's right. And there's a, mo- a fleeting moment. There's a second there. It's almost a triple rainbow. It's more of a double. <laughs> so... Uh, then he, uh, then Pierre Jr. abandoned uh, Holy Rainbow. He was out. Okay. Uh, she was out of me. Um, his second wife, uh, he married again, Marie. She was about five feet, five inches tall, kind and very patient. Uh, they had two sons, Jean Baptiste and Paul. Very French. Sure, yeah. Pierre was looking for work as a guide or interpreter. Or Just like his dad. An impersonator. Or impersonator. Right. 
John Jacob Astor wanted to establish a fur trading post at the mouth of the Columbia River. Okay. Astor had made a fortune from killing animals for their fur around the Great Lakes. Awesome. I put that part in, but that's what it is. That's great. Yeah. So he was just doing like an apocalypse of beavers. It's very cool. Uh, Now he wanted to do the same thing on the coast of Oregon. And hope to control the fur trade with Asia. Okay. It's great. Right. You can send send animals' skin over to uh, another country. Fantastic. The expedition Pierre got a job on was to uh, identify locations for fur trading posts. So Astor created the Pacific Fur Company in June 1810. He managed the business from New York, and he sent two groups out west. One by sea on the ship Tonkin, uh, with supplies and people to start trading. And then another group were to go by land and set up fur posts on the way. And then they would meet at the place the boat guys had set up. Okay. I want the boat job. I'd be the boat guys. I'm the boat guys for sure. Boat guys all day long. Yeah. Just got one fur trading post to worry about. Yep. Yeah. The expedition left St. Louis and was led by Wilson Hunt, who had zero experience Traveling in the wilderness. But his name's Hunt. Or trading with Native Americans. He's got to know. He's, it's just a gut thing. It's a family thing. Yeah. You wouldn't understand. You're an Anthony. I, this no, is a I, don't, I don't know. This guy's like, like a bloodhound. My name doesn't you mean You get him anything. out there and he's just like. And he knows the wild. It's a sixth sense. Yeah. He's like a wolf boy. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. just gets out there and all of a sudden he's. <sighs> so you don't need <sighs> like any experience or knowledge or anything it's about like being. It's like my last name, Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Nobody can deal with leftovers better. And I didn't know that when I had the name. <laughs> it was just when someone was like, oh, we're going to toss this quiche. I go, you don't need to toss it. And I put a bunch of foil around the, the mm. thing that it was in, and then I put it in the fridge. Yeah. And then you know what happened two days later? What? It's a miracle. What? They ate more of the quiche. Wow. It's like the oil. Sometimes. With Hanukkah. I don't know. Sometimes the stories are bad. The one, well, you were, you've got to write a lot of these. It's he, not your Pierre was picked because he was good at business. I mean, Hunt was picked because he was good at business. Okay. That's the guy so you want they leading. Picked, they picked him to go. It makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Hunt was only 29 years old. So this is the guy. Yeah. Young and experienced. He's got a business mind. Get him near trees. <laughs> Graduated from Dartmouth. Perfect. This is the guy. Yeah. Let him be the one who tells you how to build a shelter. Uh, so the main trading post at uh, at the Fork of the Missouri River was continually harassed by uh, Blackfeet. Uh, so much so that the commander, Mr. Henry, had to abandon the posts, cross the Rocky Mountains in order to set up a new trading post along the Columbia River. Uh, nobody knew what had become of him. Right? Okay. Uh, so he was working for that was sorry. That's the rival trading company. There's two trading companies. Okay. So the first one is the Pacific Fur Company. That's the one that they're going to set up. Right. And he's his one is which one? Uh, this is this is Mr. Henry. Okay. And Mr. Henry has set up, uh, uh, I think it's the British Fur Company. It doesn't matter because they don't end up being around very much. But, okay. But it's a rival company. Sure. Um, and so this guy set up a fort, and then the natives were like, hey, what if you're not here? Uh-huh. And uh, he bails. Right. No one knows where he went. Okay. Um, so the worry was that he'd been killed by you know Native Americans. Sure. Um, so Hunt arrives in St. Louis. It would be great if, like, in the pelts, they just saw Hunt's skin. Oh, dear Lord. Well, I think we found Hunt. <laughs> just a face. Just training him. Some guy, you know, some guys just go wearing it over, yeah. like, a shawl. I'll tell you, this thing really keeps the warmth in. I don't know what's going on. And then it's got this hood feature. Oh, God, that's Hunt. Yeah, yeah. No, I am aware. But if you, you see, we've cut this jaw out. Oh. So it's kind of like a hoodie. Hey, 
Hey, hey, watch this. Hey, I'll lead the expedition through the woods. I'm a businessman. I know everything. I'm just kidding. It's actually, it's still me under here. But, uh, oh, I like it. It will take 10. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately. Oh, God, what did I do? Uh, <laughs> what did I do? That, that's a Larry, st- run! Hey, it's me, Larry. I'm kidding. It's me again. Hey, Larry's been dead for a week. Um, so, so Hunt Rise in St. Louis, uh, Henry, sorry, Henry worked for the Missouri Fur Trading Company. That's the rival. Pacific Trading, Fur Trading Company, Missouri. Okay. Um, they're both just killing animals. Sure. It's great. Doing stuff. Right. Selling it. It's cool that you can just go out in nature and kill something and sell it. Well, because it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it belongs to nature. It belongs to you because you found it and you have to kill it. No. Treat it like a shopping spree. Take everything, leave a husk. That's right. Um, so, uh, he is, Hunt is preparing an expedition, um, and also another man, uh, for the Missouri Fur Trading Company is preparing an expedition, Mr. Manuel Lisa. Okay. Mr. Lisa. That's right. Uh, and he's going to go look for Mr. Henry. Okay. Uh, it was very unusual for there to be two expeditions at the same time, but, you know, look, competitors be competing. Right? And, and they're both going to set up trading posts. Yeah. Okay. But in the same area. Like right, right. One, one is going where Mr. Henry Fleed, and the other one is going there with the purpose. Right. So it caused a big demand for hunters and explorers who, who worked the competing situation sure. uh, for higher pay and advances. Quote, the greatest difficulty was to find a Sioux interpreter. There was one man at St. Louis, a half-breed named Pierre Dorian. Okay. There's our boy. Yeah. Pierre had worked nice for... Nice called a half-breed. It's yeah, this, I had to cut out a lot of that. It was just, I'm it was, shocked. It was fucking endless. I found the literature of the past to be every quite t- sensitive. Every time there's a quote, it's like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. He had a, I get it. He, he had a... Uh, and what uh, that means... <laughs> Pierre had worked for the Missouri Fur Company the year before and was a very a good employee Okay, when sober. Sure. Okay. So the fights with dad, the drug they, fights... They paid off. Sure. Uh... But he liked to drink a lot, and when he did, his bad side came out. I bad, feel like bad Pierre, a, a potentially a bad hire. <laughs> Quote. Oh, no, it's bad Pierre. What did you want to uh, say to me? Fuck you. Quote, while working for the Missouri company on the frontier, he had been seized with a whiskey mania. He, the, well, by the way. That's something you hear can, a lot. And it's time to change the name Blackout to Whiskey Mania. <laughs> you blacked out at the wedding. I didn't black out. I had whiskey mania. I mean, that's what we should start a new podcast. Whiskey Mania. (laughs) We just drink whiskey? (laughs) Sure. Oh, my God. Uh, and since that'll the, be history time, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Uh, and since the beverage could only be, it'll bought, be great when we rip off our own podcast. Well, then we'd be ripping off um, uh, drunk history, right? Which is a great podcast for people who are alcoholic parents to watch, right? Um, and since the beverage could only be brought at the company store, it had been charged to his account at the rate of ten dollars a quart. Okay, that's it. So it's a company store whiskey. He likes to drink. He's been running up a tap. So he's just running. He's drinking. Okay. Ten bucks a quart. That's a lot. Uh, His debt was not paid, and this became a heated disagreement because he no longer works for the company. Right. Just the mention of the dispute sent Pierre into a rage. Okay. So he's, he's sensitive about his drinking problem, essentially. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Lisa's threats over the whiskey debt drove Pierre to work for the rival Pacific Fur Trading Company, Mr. Hunt. It's interesting when your job decision-making is based on whiskey access. 
<laughs> and whiskey debt. And whiskey debt. And the debt you previously worked up. Uh, he negotiated a very good deal with Mr. Hunt, $300 for a year, 200 to be paid in advance. Okay. Pierre now had a job as a guide and interpreter heading uh, to the Pacific Coast. It ran in the family as his dad had worked for Lewis and Clark, as I said. But just when Hunt's group was about to leave St. Louis, five American hunters arrived and alleged they had been treated poorly by Astor's company. Okay. They refused to travel with Mr. Hunt and told all the others about the suffering and dangers they had faced on their expedition. This caused all the hunters who had signed on with Hunt to panic. Okay. I, 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 I sniffed some theatrics. Well, then he had to pay them all more. Okay. And, oh, well, here we yeah, go. Right, uh, right. So they all go, um, but the first one... Well, once you get down the river, y'all going to have to pass the Cerebus. What? The Cerebus. Cerebus? Yes. I, I'm sorry. I it's don't. like a three-headed dog, but it's got... Uh, riddles. She'll ask riddles. It's, it asks riddles? Yeah. It's a three-headed dog that asks riddles. That's right. And it's down, down the down river? Down by the river, yeah. And if down, you get past... What? Down by the river? Yeah, right? yeah. And if you get past that, you got to have sex with the fish man. <sighs> He's half man, half fish. But it's not in the way where you'd picture him to be like a merman or something where he's got like half of his bottom. It's like every four inches is scale or skin, and it keeps alternating. It looks like zebra straps. So you get past Cerebus with Riddle. What about right? the part? Then you got to go to Fishman. You have sex with Fishman. Okay, but does Fishman have a, a part? or Fishman he... has all the parts. Okay. He's got fish and man parts. Okay. So you figure out my advice would be go, you know. Did you have sex with Fishman? I have had sex with Fishman, not this one. So there's other Fishman out there. I'm a regular traveler. I go through a lot of this. You know, we've, we've never heard anything about this. Well, it's kind of crazy, but then once you get past Fishman, you know what you got to do? And what? Spend a night in the haunted drawer. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to take off. We're not really buying the whole thing anymore. Like, All sometimes right. you How take it this? too far. Give me $50. Why don't you tell me this? Where's the haunted drawer? Is it in Wyoming? Like, where's the haunted drawer? It's in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like out of, it comes out of the side of a mountain? Like, how does the haunted drawer work? What's it the, comes out the side of a mountain. And then what happens? What's your next guess? <laughs> and then you get in it? That's right. And then someone closes the drawer, and then you're in the mountain? Yeah. And you spend a night in it. But and it ain't then, a regular night. No, why not? Well, you're going to draw in the mountain, stupid. What's with this guy? I don't think he's ready to lead y'all. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, je- look, I'm a businessman, and I know I know bullshitters, and I think you're full of shit. I don't think there's a three-headed dog. I don't think there's a fish guy with a dick. You don't think there's a fish man? And I, I definitely don't think there's a drawer. A haunted drawer, not just okay. a drawer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, more power to you, mister. All right. See you later. See you later. Clown face. There are clown faces, and you have one. I know. Boom. That's mm. hardcore. I'm really getting at you. Yeah. Clown face. Right. So, um, anyway, that... Are you leaving? Or? I just don't know what to do now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll walk this way then. Okay. All right. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I thought the bit was over, and then I was still here, so I didn't even know. I'll see you later. So, All right. So, Pierre uh, made a deal. He would get on the boat, and he was the first guy to make a deal. If Mr. Hunt agreed to let him take his wife, Marie, and their two kids. Okay. 
who were like two and five, I think. Great. Perfect age to pass away on a boat. That's what, well, yeah. Like, she must have been like, wait, no, how's that the deal? I figured it out. You can come with us. I like to have sex <laughs> when I'm out hunting and doing stuff. When I'm traveling dangerous mountains and through horrible streams and fighting bears. I want to, every once in a while, I want to fuck. <laughs> Plus, my whiskey mania kicks in. Quote, the evening after they left, the fur expedition, so all the other guys signed back on, um, okay. learned that a warrant had been issued against Pierre Dorian for his whiskey debt. Boy, this whiskey is really chasing him. And Mr. Lisa intended to entrap the interpreter upriver at St. Charles. So uh, Pierre heard about the warrant on the way up on the on the boat, and um, he... Uh, he takes off. They they let him off the boat. He takes his family, gets off, and he heads into the forest. Well, and again, for the family, probably cool. <laughs> for the family, probably exciting to to know that the original plan that was a little off kilter has now been thrown out the window, and now it's just time to get off the boat and run into the middle of the forest with your two year old. Um, yeah, it's not. Look, I it's feel pretty like, cool. I feel like he's not the best family man. It's like accidental camping. Who doesn't want to do that? It's, uh, yeah, it's like accidental camera. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so he takes off and, um, they, uh, the boat, the boat, uh, her own boat goes on. And probably again, a really good feeling for the wife. Yeah, she's loving this. She's like, like the like boat's a, gone. It's official. We're just here. He's like, got no plan. He had no plan. Total freedom. And we're doing this because he drank too much whiskey. That's right. We're in the woods now because of his whiskey. <laughs> We ended up in the middle of the woods with our children because he caused the whiskey debt so high they're going to entrap him. Uh, Marie was, quote, laden with their papooses and a large bundle containing their most precious effects, promising uh, they would rejoin them some distance later. The expedition party reached St. Charles in the afternoon. Um, uh, of course, Hunt, uh, sorry, Pierre was not on board. Right. Uh, the lawman did not find Pierre in St. Charles. The boats continued the next morning. They had not gone far when Pierre appeared on the shore. Okay. Hello. Yes. Uh, We ate the middle one. Alone. Oh, boy. Uh, They took him back on board, and apparently things had not gone well with his wife while they were out in the woods. Now, Dave, let me tell you a place where you're not allowed to tell your wife or your children that they're stressing you out a little bit (laughs) and leave them is when you're... In the forest uh-huh. on a whiskey run. Okay, go ahead. When you're when you're basically kind of hear you, but I kind of don't. You on know the whiskey mean? lamb, uh, and you're abandoning your family because they're probably annoying you about what you've done. Look, you're out there, and they're like, "I want food, and yeah. I'm, I'm cold." Yeah, and you're just like, "Ugh, ugh, shut up." Uh, so yeah, so what had happened was they had gotten into a fight. Um, probably because she didn't want to be out in the woods she all She was alone. probably <laughs> sore about having to get off the boat and go to the woods. Uh, so what happened was he, uh, quote, they had a quarrel in the night. Pierre had administered the Indian discipline of the cudgel, uh, which means he beat her with some sort of stick. Uh, she didn't dig that. No. And she took off into the woods with their kids oh and all their god. stuff. Oh, my God. Turns out she didn't. she didn't like that. Yeah. Pierre apparently felt. Think about how big of a douchebag you have to be for your wife to, like, to run off in the forest. All right, we're gonna go this way. Jesus Christ! Yeah, maybe we'll find a better husband. 
I didn't look up if that's like a real thing, but I've never heard of that um, with Native Americans. I'm sure it was just him being a fucking douchebag. Right, right. Although there is right here something called the Burl Cudgel, but who knows? Um, so uh, so Perry, Pierre feels terrible, as every fucking jackass who uh, sure, his wife does. Sure. Oh, now I feel bad. Um, uh, he's upset she's gone. She also took his knapsack, which was upsetting, too. Sure. Um, so, but Hunt could not wait for a marital issue to resolve and they moved on and they take Pierre and they move on. Yeah. Right. Uh, that night, Pierre, so they just leave his wife and children. Well, they, there's nothing cause they don't know if she's ever going to come back. You know, they can't, you know, I don't know. The yeah. time is money, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that night, Pierre said he slept terribly upset by what he had done. But before sunrise, he heard Marie calling from the shore. Marie had been wandering in the woods all night looking for the party and she eventually found them because of their fires. The expedition continued on as she got on the boat. The expedition continued on, but there were very heavy rains making it slow and dangerous. Um, So uh, the party continued to grow as uh, other boat crews joined them. So by April, there were 26 people. That part I don't really understand, but I guess that's what it's like on the river out in the middle of nowhere. Well, there's a bunch of water hitchhikers. You just... (laughs) You just roll up and guys, can we go on your expedition to kill beavers? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come on. We're just out here floating around in yeah, the middle that's of nowhere. Crazy. Yeah. Get on here. Yeah, this is normal. We're normal. That's we're normal great. guys. Just I trust you. Looking to hook up with some other guys. Hey, we're all here having a good old time, my man. Out on a boat. We're not going to kill you at night. No, no. Why would we do that? We kill beavers. Sure. We're not going to hit you in the head and drop you off the side of the boat any chance we get. Hey, that's we're no not, way. We're, we're not too that. worried up here. I'll tell you that much. Uh, this guy left his wife and kid in the forest for two days. So, you know, we're, uh, we're, not, on the, you. we're not the best either. I don't yeah. think you should compliment him on that, but uh, okay. get, get on here, boys. I don't know how things work. Let me show you where we put most of the valuables. It's right here in the oh, middle. Hey, a lot of the stuff that. is here. Look Keep a lot of the stuff here. Weapons. I, I like visualize me hitting you with a club right above so, your eye. Well, that, that reminds me, this is where we keep the clubs. Oh, uh, okay. and they're coming very in size. You got small, you got medium, you got Great. large. This Great. is a bigger one. I'm going to watch you bleed. Um, yeah, you can do that. And yeah. then, uh, uh, yeah, here's rags, clean up the murder, whatever it is, whatever leave you're into. You, leave you to the fish man. Sure, however you guys feel like doing it. <laughs> it's just nice to have company. Fish man gonna hump you. Yeah. That's how, right. that's how fish babies are made. Sure. Oh, okay. More of the fish guy stuff. Well, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, so they went, they found a friendly Native American village. Um, there they were given meals and a party was held. After the party, uh, they left the next day. And a commotion broke out. Sure. Turns out Marie enjoyed being at the village and wanted to stay there. Inch, of course. Of course. Pierre was because not. Because you know what had happened? What? There's an option B. Yeah. Anything and it's but, better. Anything but going. Whatever it is. Going off. Look, there's no other women on this boat. Let me tell you there's what There's 25 she, dudes and a lady. She, By the way, she, great movie. Oh, God. Terrible. Nightmare. <laughs> Nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> but also, she just chose to go to the forest alone. She didn't choose. Well, she yes. Didn't, she, she didn't want to go in the forest alone. Right. But she chose oh, when to she walk ran off. away from him. Yeah, yeah, when she ran so off. So yeah, this yeah. is a much more enticing option. It's, it's imagine. Other, let's, it's let's, other people. Let's, t- let's take the wilderness out of this. Sure. Let's just go with the 25 dudes and a lady on a boat. Yes. You're out. Yes. As a lady, you're out. Yes. So, uh... Yes, you're entire. I mean, you must. You're just getting eye fucked all day by these. Yeah, she wa- and she wants to stay with these nice Native American yes. people. She just meant. Yes. Um, and uh, Pierre was not down with that, and he forced her on the boat. 
Um, he was possibly a little drunk when he did it, as we assume. Uh, she probably uh, didn't want to make the trip because it turns out she was three months pregnant. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What, you don't want to go off into the forest when you're uh, three months pregnant? Ugh, this whole thing. Around this time, the ship Aster had sent, right? The, yep. other, the other, by sea. The Tonkin arrived and established the trading post Astoria on Point George on the southern shore of the Columbia. Okay. So everything's going according to plan over there. Sure. Right? But soon after, the captain of the ship, who everyone fucking hated, everybody hates the captain. Sure. Took the ship on a trading mission to Vancouver. I mentioned everyone hates the captain, right? The yes. crew, everybody fucking sure. hates his guys. Nobody likes the captain. So he takes the ship after they set up his fort, and he heads up uh, to trade with the uh, Clyquat people. Now, I think they're in Canada. It's Vancouverish. Um, but they couldn't come to terms over a trade. Okay. So Captain Thorne slapped the elder who was doing the trading, uh, the indigenous person who handled the uh, negotiations. Uh, with a fur in the face. Oh, boy. That is... That's... I, so I'm just they, gonna, I would say, mm. I'm just... I think a bad move. <laughs> personally. So it turns out they didn't like that. Uh-huh. Uh, for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, soon, uh, there was an attack on the ship. Uh, the warriors killed most of the crew. A few survived and ran off, but they were also killed. Um, the next day, the warriors returned to plunder the ship. There was one guy on the ship. Hey. Hi. I just assumed. So, hey, do you guys want everything? I'm. I'm alive, James. And I would like to stay alive, James. Anywho, I wish we had an interpreter. <laughs> I feel weird. So anyway, he lures them onto the ship. Okay. He lures all these, uh, you know, native guys onto the ship, uh, Salish. Um, and then he lights the gunpowder magazine and blows up the ship. So he lured 200 oh my uh, God. Salish uh, natives on and then killed them by blowing up the ship. Wow. The only crew member who survived was an interpreter who had relatives among the Clayquat. Uh, so not a great start to the uh, no. everything. Yeah. Wow. So that's not going good either. Now the land expedition looks great. Right. And that one, and that that one is goes, terrible. Yeah. Hunt's party had more men join up, and now they were 60 okay. men. So they're just picking up dudes in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I don't sure know what they, happens out there. I mean, you would need to vet someone, wouldn't you, mildly? <laughs> I don't, I don't know think what's it's going just on. about like, filling it, turning it into a party boat. Five were partners with Astor, one was a clerk, 40 were Canadian voyagers, uh, hired boatmen, and several were hunters. They were on four boats. One was large enough to mount a swivel gun and two howitzers. Wow. So they're going into the forest ready. Yeah. I mean, they're not fucking around. They pitched tents at night and told stories and sang songs around campfires. Great. That's nice. Sure. It's a trip. The party started to rest in a friendly Omaha village. Sorry, stayed to rest in a friendly Omaha village. There were th- uh, then three Sioux arrived and warned that another band of Sioux nearby were preparing to attack. The chief of the Omahas returned from hunting 
and said two men had just been killed by a band of Sioux. And obviously, everyone's freaking out now, especially the Voyagers, the Canadian uh, Voyagers, Voyagers. I don't, uh-huh. know you wanna, I don't know what Canadians call it. Quote, the Canadians pictured to themselves bands of fierce warriors stationed along each bank of the river by whom they would be shot down in their boats or lurking hordes who would set them set on them at night and massacre them in their encampments. Some of the Canadians wanted to turn back around and three deserted into the woods. That's a bad move. Yeah, this, wo- this I never woods get it. Getting out and going not... off, because then you have to walk through. There's people who live there. You, you have to walk through. Are like, you got to hope that everyone's like, come on through my yard. You're Guy for in Jason movies. You really just, are. It's like, we don't follow you when you go into the no. woods. We find you. Uh, so... As they traveled on uh, the boats, many of the Canadians who were now very afraid watched the river's edge, but there were no Sioux. The Canadians still started to worry about an ambush at every turn. Quote, the very name Sioux became a watchword of terror. An elk, a wolf, or any other animal would appear on the hills, and the boats sounded with shouts from end to end. Voila les Sioux, voila les Sioux. They are Sioux, they are Sioux. Voila les Sioux, voila les Sioux. Raccoon, raccoon. Il est raccoon. Little mask. Petite bandit. Finally, they did come across a band of hostile Sioux. Quote. Oh, thank God. Here the swivel gun and howitzers were loaded with powder and fired to let the savages know by the sound how formidably they were armed. The noise echoed along the shores of the river and must have startled the Indian warriors who were only accustomed to the shots of rifles. But the Indians remained and watched them in silence, their painted bodies and faces glaring in the sun and their feathers fluttering in the breeze. When the boats were within rifle range, the hunters prepared to shoot but there was a confused look on the Native American faces. And they displayed their buffalo robes, raised them with both hands above their heads, and then spread them in front of them on the ground. Pierre Dorian started yelling out not to shoot because this was a sign they were peaceful and wanted to meet. Okay. So the Americans came in kind of hot. Sorry, the Canadians and Americans just came, rolled in like dickheads. Yeah. Unusual. Yeah. The Native American warriors lit a fire on the edge of the river and held a peace pipe ceremony. Okay. Mr. Hunt then uh, made a speech in French, which Pierre interpreted. Hunt told the Sioux they were not looking to trade with any tribes upriver, but were just tossing tossing the mountains to look for some other other fellow countrymen who had been gone for 11 months. He was lying. He made that all up. They weren't looking for anybody. Okay. Um, I do he like was going to trade with anybody up upstream. I like the idea. I do. I am picturing Pierre drunk every time he interprets. Yeah, yeah. Now, just for the record. Yeah, it's got to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, Hunt ended up giving them tobacco and corn. The Sioux were happy with a this. Delicious combination, by yeah. the way. Oh my god! Nothing goes better with a mouthful of corn than a big suck of tobacco. It's so good. The Sioux were happy. And that's actually vape flavor now. Is it? Yeah, tobacco corn. Wow, that's great. The Sioux were happy with this and said the reason for their hostile gathering was to prevent guns from going to the. Arikaras, Mandans, and Minotauris tribes, whom they were at war with. Uh, but now they were like, yeah, go ahead and pass if you're not going to give any stuff. Right. Know, cruise on through. Quote, the white hunters in the expedition group continued to be fearful of wandering in this dangerous neighborhood, and fresh provisions began to be scarce in the camp. Therefore, as a substitute for venison and buffalo meat, the travelers had to purchase a number of dogs to be shot and cooked. <sighs> Fortunately, the Indians were generous with their dogs. Great. I mean, everybody wins. You get well, soup. Well, not the dogs. The dogs lose. But everyone else wins. Yeah, everyone else gets My tummy full. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, these animals swarm about Indian 
uh, an Indian village as they do about a Turkish town. So it's pretty cool to hit two different ethnic groups at once. It's one fun. sentence. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every family has two or three dozen belonging to it of all sizes and colors. Some of a superior breed are used for hunting, others to draw the sleds, and others... Snack dogs. ...of a Mongol breed and an idle vagabond nature are fattened for food. Yeah, eat, eating dogs. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So you got the quality... Sure, you got your good dogs. Husky, right. Right, and then you got like a nice one for the sleds. Yeah, and then, and you, then got you got the got eaters. Eat dogs. The, yeah, the eaters. Yeah, right. That's uh, awesome. They came across another tribe who were very happy that the white men wanted to trade, and they promised to provide beaver skins. So uh, we're actually just here for more dog. We really have <laughs> gotten a taste for shit Oh, my dog. God, we've gotten so into dog. Do you have any scrappers? During one evening, Pierre and two hunters went missing and did not return by sunrise. Hmm. The group thought they had wandered off after Buffalo and were not that concerned because they knew they would easily be able to track the party. They left a fire burning to guide the three men, and they headed out. And then it began to rain. And a de- general gloom came over the men. Now they're worried that they lost mm-hmm. their guys. The Canadians sat in groups, smoking and muttering. And then they heard the shouts as Pierre and the two other men arrived back. Quote, they came slowly, lagging into camp with wary looks. In their hunting excursion on the prairies, they had pushed so far in pursuit of buffalo and found it impossible to re- retrace their steps over the plains. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. I just, I don't. <laughs> Like that's they, probably one of those things where you're just assuming it's, I mean, essentially what it is, is it's like history's parking garage. It's like, you know, you're not focused on anything other than the mission. And then all of a sudden when the mission is over or incomplete and it's time to call it, you're like, what floor and number? I remember nothing. How did I get here? Uh, even Marie was happy to see Pierre. Whoa. What? Yeah. <laughs> So they moved on. After a few days, they said a group of warriors. Uh, they saw a group of warriors coming over a bank and gathering on the shore. It was a war party. They were armed with bows and arrows and battle clubs, and their bodies painted black and white stripes. Mister uh, Hunt's boat was in front and the closest, but it passed near them without any problems. Then all the warriors ran along the bank until they were opposite to the boats, and they threw aside their weapons and waded in to the boats and surrounded the boats. And then they reached out to shake hands because they knew this was how the white man liked to show they were friends. Oh, wow. Jesus. <laughs> so fucking weird. But it is. Hey. Like every, 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 every introduction or every you have moment no idea. when these two sides are coming, it's yeah, like you, have you just no have idea. no You're like, uh, what are we doing here? Are we murdering <laughs> each other? Are we trading? What's the deal? What are we, what's happening? I mean... Um, we were hoping to trade and murder. Is that cool? <laughs> they... We're going to want to do a further. Give you some fur and murder people. (laughs) Um, But the Native Americans went over the top of the handshaking. Quote, they carried it to an extreme. All right. That's enough, gentlemen. That's enough, gentlemen. Yeah. No, we're good with that. That's enough, gentlemen. It's like one one or two pumps. One or two pumps, then we we move on. That's enough. All right. I've shaken your hand four to five times. You officially a workout. All right. My arms are hurting. Uh, So they're obviously not worried about these guys. Um, it turned out to be a war party of the... Unless that was their plan. Their plan oh, to lure was them to in. slowly go over there and tire their I mean, arms out by shaking them. <laughs> until the next morning, they're so sore and yeah. weakened that and they can just, be taken advantage of. You just cut their arms they, Well, right yeah, off. or you just cut anything off. They won't be able to move their arms. Yeah. Um, so it turns out this was a war party of Ericaras, Mandans, and Minotaurs, uh, 300 warriors who were fighting the Sioux. Remember the Sioux they met? They said, yeah. we can give them weapons. Yeah. These are the guys the Sioux are fighting. Okay. 
Uh, the same tribes Hunt had promised the Sioux he wouldn't trade with, and then he traded with them. Of course. The chief said they had to have something to prove. They had met the white man, and Hunt gave them a uh, cask of gunpowder, a bag of bullets, and three dozen, dozen knives. By the way, imagine a time in history yeah. when Native Americans say they want proof that the white man was there. <laughs> Not very early on. Very early in relations. Um, uh, Chief was super happy with all this. And now Mr. Lisa's group from the rival fur company caught up, and the two parties camped about 100 yards apart. Awkward. Uh, Lisa wanted them to travel together. Uh, Mr. Lisa invited Pierre to dine on his boat. Okay. And he gave him whiskey. Well, that's he knows. not fair. He knows who Pierre that's is. That's not fair. He Don't get the what... gremlin wet. Yeah. <laughs> you know the so, deal. When Mr. Lisa thought Pierre was sufficiently buzzed, he asked Pierre to quit Hunt's group and of work course. for him again. Uh, gladly. Uh, of course. I like work. this. I like what's happening here. This is here. great. This is good. And I'm glad we can bury the hatchet as far as all the other whiskey stuff goes. No, they're still paying for that. Uh, there's, oh, well, that's cool. Guys, there's more whiskey now? I don't really care about the problems I'm causing in the future. Did I ever tell you about the time I yeah. threw my wife and family into the woods? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's really cool. It was a good move. Okay. Well, actually, we don't want to do this. I had sex with a fish man. Okay. Mr. Lisa also brought up Pierre's whiskey debt and threatened to forcibly carry Pierre off in payment for it. So, wait. Now, remember, we mentioned that he doesn't like the debt uh, coming up in conversation. Yes. So, but wait. So, he gets him on the boat. First, he says, gets him drunk. I want you to work for me. And he says, no. Loads him up with whiskey. And then he's like, fuck you. You owe me money. You have to work for me. Okay. So, this this job offer is turning. It's not great. changing. Um, uh, so they started arguing and then Pierre punched Mr. Lisa in the face. Good, 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 good. This ought to be fine. Now, Lisa had wanted the two parties to travel together, but this commotion caused, uh, problems. And, uh, and so Hunt moved on without him. And Lisa wanted them to travel together because they're going through dangerous. Moved out without Lisa, but he took Pierre. No, Pierre comes back to Mr. Hunt. Right, right. That's what I mean. Okay, right. And, and 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 he he wants. Lisa goes off on his own. And Hunt wants Lisa and. Hunt's groups to travel together because, or Lisa does. Lisa wants that. Yeah, because Hunt doesn't. they're going through dangerous territory. Right. And he's like, so the he's more like, of us, the better. Yeah. But Hunt's like, fuck off. Right. Okay. You punch my boy. Right. You punch my boy. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hunt's party had 82 horses, most of which were packed with goods, beaver traps, ammunition, corn, cornmeal, and other necessities. Sure. Each of Astor's partners had a horse. One was designated to Pierre to carry his luggage and two children. Marie walked on foot. Like most of the men. Yeah, and it's cool, too, because she's pregnant. And, and all the dudes now super respect her, like that she's been out there for a while. Right. Um, so Marie was now close to having the baby, and she was also taking care of two kids, two and five years old. Uh-huh. And one uh, grown kid. Uh, no, just two and five. No, no, her husband. Oh. <laughs> uh, the younger one she had to carry on her back, so right. she's carrying a two-year-old. Right. And what's Pierre doing? Carrying whiskey? He's got the gun and then the, I guess, a bottle, yeah. Sure. And um, a horn. Great. Oh, okay. Snow came. Uh, it was more than knee deep, and after walking all day, they realized they had only traveled four miles. They were now desperate for food and had to kill and eat a horse. Okay, sure. On, <laughs> on December 29th, they walked 21 miles through a valley, dealing with rain and snow, and they had to cross an icy stream twice. This is the day, Marie. Twice. Yeah, you know, going back and forth. Oh. Uh, streams just don't aren't like a line. Yeah, line. yeah, it is. Okay, um, and this is the day Marie went into labor. Oh, perfect! An ice birth. 
Oh my god! Most most people go for the water one, but have you seen a child come oh, out and go so into ice right away? Great, perfect. They love it. You think they're blue when they come out? Quote, Pierre treated the matter as an ordinary occurrence and no need to cause delay. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. fine. She's having a baby. It'll slide most of the way. He remained by his wife in the camp with his other children and his horse and promised to soon rejoin the main group. We won't be five, ten minutes tops. (laughs) She's really, she better be good at this. I'll jump on it if it's taking a while. (laughs) So the group leaves them. Uh, Sure. I, yeah, this is, again, one of those things I'm like, you couldn't wait for the lady to have a baby? No. I mean, well, look, these things can take hours. So the next morning, uh, the Dorian family rejoined the party with a new baby. Hey! Hi, guys. We got this screaming thing. She's fine, too. Quote, the mother looked as unconcerned as if nothing had happened to her. So easy is her nature in the wilderness when free from the enfeebling refinements of luxury. So... Sure. She's just digging it. Like, she had a baby. She's cruising. Right. Not at all like she's, like, quiet because she wants to fucking kill her husband. Right. No. She's excited for the new chapter of having another mouth to feed on this journey. What a great great time to be starving and killing horses when you have a baby. It's cool to have another horse hole around. Yeah, it really is. Huntsman asked for permission to celebrate uh, the birth, and he gave it, and they had a banquet of dog's meat and horse. And maybe a little whiskey? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have whiskey at this point. Uh Uh-oh. Um, the next day, they moved on and kept the pace for five uh, up for days. On the eighth day, the newborn baby died. Oh God! I mean, uh, it's not surprising. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but right. Of course, that's why she was mad in the first. Fucking why place. won't she chew the horse? I mean, at what age could you chew horse? When you're killing dogs and horses to eat them, that's not the yeah. time to no. be like, we. Well, you know, we should have as a baby yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, this is baby time. Yeah. Uh, they made it to Fort Astoria on February 15th, 1812. Quote, a shout of joy burst from each canoe at the long wished for sight. All hands poured from the settlement to receive and welcome them. It had been an 11 month journey from St. Louis. Jesus Christ. Good God. The Canadian. I mean, really imagine. No. Imagine a year of your life. I don't like to travel coach. Like, coach is a bummer. Imagine a year of your life. Greyhound? Uh, I mean, fucking imagine. Greyhound. Let me tell you, how about this? Imagine taking a Greyhound for 12 days. <laughs> Ima- seriously. Imagine being on a, could, could oh. you, could you do it? No. Could you do it? No. And she had a baby in her. And was I just. through snow and ice for 11 months. And kept her other kids alive. And we couldn't go on a Greyhound. No, no I think I could. You have rich tastes. I could not go on a Greyhound. You're too affluent. You're too (laughs) hoity-toity. You live that country club life. I really do. Yeah. You love that gated community life. Oh, my God. I'm out there with the people. I just get in my Range Rover and I drive around on the golf course. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is mine. Um, the Canadian voyagers went crazy to see their friends. Quote, it was almost ludicrous to behold these comrades hugging and kissing each other on the river bank. Uh-huh. They celebrated the entire day at the fort. They shot guns and had a feast of fish, beaver, venison, and dog meat. You don't have to eat the dog meat now. Hey, come on. You don't have to eat the dog come meat. Come on. I'll tell you what, I've got a bit of a taste for dog. <laughs> Am I the only one? I love a bit of retriever. Uh, Rob. Oh. Rum was issued to the men. Oh, rum was issued? Yep. Gentlemen, I'm issuing rum. The night ended with a grand dance by the Canadian voyagers, quote, as usual. Yes, of course. 
But things would not go well at the fort. By summer of 1813, Astor decided to give up on the trading post because 61 men had died working that's at the post. Pretty, that's a pretty... That's a, that's a high, chunk. That's a lot of men. It's a good amount. He sold the Pacific Fur Company. At that point... Marie and Pierre joined up with a nine-man beaver hunting party that worked for a different fur company. Okay. They built a trading post near the mouth of Idaho's Boise River and several hunting and trapping camps. In the middle of August 1814, they camped near the Great Snake River where there were a lot of beavers. Got to go where the beavers are. It's a good I've thing to call it that. the Great Snake River. Yeah. And it's full of beavers. We could have called it the Great Beaver River, but made a little uh, sense. also might be great snakes there. Sure. A member of the party, Mr. Reed, built a house to live in for the winter. Okay. So I like Mr. Fucking, Reed's style. Yeah, he's fucking going The big. only guy who's like, what do we have a house? Yeah, let's, we got what a tree. Help? Let's make a, we got a lot of things to build a house with. I don't know. I was thinking of burying myself in her clothes. Uh, nearby tribes were nice, but when strange tribes pass by, not as great, not sure. as friendly. They always asked Mr. Reed for guns and bullets. Uh, once one shot a horse with an arrow and stole a canoe. Interesting move. Not a, not a great the guy. The horse, not necessarily part of the horse is like, caper. I am just here. I'm a, I have no association to the canoe. So Mr. Reed uh, built another house farther up the river. Uh, was more essential location for the hunters. So now there's two houses out there. Sure. Late one night in January, a friendly Native American came running to the house and said some men from the Dog Rib tribe had burnt the first house and were headed their way singing a war song. Okay. So that's not Not great. the best news. That's not... <laughs> not the best update. You sure it was a war song or a baby lullaby? No, they were pretty clear. They burned that house, and it was all war. Very specific, too. It wasn't like top 10 stuff? No, no, like no. A... No, this is new stuff. Okay. Yeah. It was low rush. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, what's the joke? Marie took uh, her two kids, uh, got on a horse, and went to find Pierre, who was out trapping at the time. Okay. But it was night. She got lost. Oh, dear. Uh, the next day, a storm came, so she sheltered in place. Jesus. The day after that, she set out again. And she saw smoke rising in the direction she was heading. Oh, dear. So she hid again, thinking no. it might be the dog rib tribe. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. Right. So she waits a day, and now she's waited two days. She's uh, going to she eat She starts moving again the next day. As she came, why do you have to go there? She might not eat the horse. She's going to eat the this horse. This is our hero. Uh, as she came close to the hut where Pierre had been hunting, a man staggered out. Stagger's never good. It's people could be staggering. Pierre. Uh, he approaches her. It's one of their one of the Canadian hunting voyagers. Um, he was wounded and faint from a loss of blood. He told Marie that Pierre and the other two trappers had been robbed and murdered that morning. So Pierre's gone. We Is lost, that true? We lost the wife beater. He is for sure. He's dead. Oh Jesus Christ. Marie put her wounded, the wounded hunter, on the horse and ran into the forest, heading back to Mr. Reed's house. Jesus Christ. But the hunter couldn't handle the rough ride on the horse, and he fell twice. Oh, that fuck. fuck By the way, guy. that... Uh, not fuck this guy. Fuck that, this guy. But Stay on the fucking horse. You're dying. That fall, though. That first fall, you're like, oh. oh. The second one, you're like, I think okay, this might be yeah, it. Let's just do it. I think this is the Lord's way of saying you're not ready for ponies. So Marie took him off, and they camped for the day, and then he died that night. She put her kids on the horse, and they headed out. Much better. Yes. Get the kids on the horse. Sure. She made it to Mr. Reed's house. Quote, Mr. Reed and the men were all murdered, scalped, and cut to pieces. 
Cut to pieces is kind of fucking brutal. Yeah. Uh, desolation and horror stared me in the face. I turned from the shocking sight in agony and despair, took to the woods with my children and horse, and passed the cold and lonely night without food or fire. Probably a good feeling. Marie didn't know what to do next. It's an awkward, what? it's an yeah. awkward time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we've all been there. It's just weird. Yeah. The snow was deep. Uh, it was very cold. They had no food. To try to make the long journey to safety would be certain death. She was not about to let her children starve and realize she would have to go into the house to look for food. Okay. She knew there was a stock of salted fish, but didn't, this is the next house. Okay. Uh, but didn't know if the dog rib men had taken it. Also, there would, there could be one waiting in the house yeah. for more hunters to return. Yeah. The next morning, she wrapped her kids in uh, her robe. Okay. And tied up the horse and left them and went uh, to some ground above the house to watch and see if anything was moving. Okay. Smart. She saw nothing. So she went back to her kids who were now almost frozen. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> she had no choice but to make a fire to warm them, even though it was dangerous. After they were warm, she rolled them up in the robe again and headed for the house. Good God. She found plenty of fish. She took as much as she could carry and headed back to the kids. They were almost frozen again. She started another fire, and then they ate the fish. The next day, she went back to the house and got more fish. But after that, she was too overwhelmed and sat for three days, unable to move. That's yeah, fair. I would go. I would go full on cat. I would go cat coma in a second. Yeah. Finally, she realized they had to move. She packed up everything on the horse and put the kids on the top of the load and set out, leading the horse by the reins. Quote: In this sad and hopeless condition, I traveled through deep snow, among the woods, rocks, and rugged paths for nine days Ugh. until I and the horse could travel no more. She picked a spot to rest for the winter. What? She's hibernating? Yeah, she's going into hibernation. Wow. That's all she can do, or else she's not going to, yeah. That's quite a hunker. She killed the horse. Of course. I mean, we all saw this coming. I would have killed the kids, too. Okay. Might as well eat them. No more pitching for you. And hung its meat on a tree and smoked it for the winter. Then she built a small hut with pine branches, long grass, and moss, and packed uh, around snow to keep it warm. She did not have an axe. She did it all with a knife. Wow. She and the kids stayed in the hut for 53 days. Oh, my God. Good times. Oh, my God. I mean, I, could you imagine? Let me just say, oh. I would rather die than be in a hut with a three-year-old for 53 days. But at least you have horse to eat. The fucking oh, nonstop, con- the, just the repeating of sentences. Oh, same story. Oh. Uh... So, so it's still snowing. Um, they start back out again. Now they got to move. Okay. On the second day, she became snow blind. Oh, and good. Good. She, I was hoping. She had to stay in place without moving for three days. Oh, wow. It's a good time. Uh, her supplies were exhausted. She got some of her sight back and started to move again. She got out of the mountains and down into the plains. She had now been walking for 15 days. They barely had eaten anything for six days. Once on the plane, she saw smoke some ways away, but she couldn't carry her children anymore, so she wrapped them in her robe and hid them. Okay. These kids are like, back in the robe, Mom? Seems like you used to hide kids a lot back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be great if you could do that now. Just put them in a towel for a minute, (laughs) stash them for the afternoon, go to Ikea, come out. There it is. 
she then set out to reach whatever Native American camp was ahead. Quote, I was so weak that I could hardly crawl and I had to sleep on the way. She got to the camp the next day at noon. It belonged to the Walla Walla tribe. They were very kind to her and immediately headed out to find her children. They found them and brought the kids back that night. Marie and the kids stayed there for two nights and then started heading down the river with some of the Walla Walla. A traveler in the area, quote, one day I was too tired to ride horseback, so I reembarked in my canoe. About eight o'clock, we passed a little river and saw three canoes, the persons in which were struggling with their paddles to overtake us. We heard a child's voice cry out in French, Arate, Arate, stop, stop. We landed ashore and saw in one of the canoes the wife and children of a man named Pierre Dorian. It was the Indians of Walla Walla who had brought her to us. Uh, he gave some presents to the Walla Walla for their help and took Marie and her children to Fort uh, Akanagan. It's, uh, f- it's strange that she's going to a place called Akanagan. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fur trading outpost in Washington State. Uh, they survived. Wow. And they started their life over. Around 1818, Marie married again to Monsignor Veneer. Uh, they had a daughter, Marguerite. In 1819, but then he died right after that and remarried again in 1824. She will find a winner. To John Tupin, who was an interpreter at Fort Nez Pierce. Um, They had a son and daughter. Marie was called Madame Iowa. She lived for 10 years in the town of Kaiser near Salem, Oregon, and she died on September 3rd, 1850. The location of her grave has been lost. Her newborn, who died was the first white uh, first child with white ancestry born in Oregon wow that's what it used to be like now imagine Hugh Glass with children (laughs) yeah she's a bit of a badass yeah that is I mean that like I always think that the will to survive like I don't know that will to survive like and maybe it's just the time. Maybe we're so was, spoiled now that you're just like, I can't do it. Like, I was, but I don't think I, I don't think I could do that. I was reading about it recently, and some quote scholars think that women and women seem to survive longer in these circumstances uh, because of their children. Yeah, that may I would that would not surprise me. Whereas dudes are like, I'm going to sit in the snow and I got to run from whiskey. <laughs> I'm running from a whiskey nightmare. Uh, boy, that's crazy. Yeah. Stressing me out. That stressed you out? A little bit, yeah. She made it. Everybody made it except for the baby. Yeah. I don't care about the dudes. Yeah. Pierre was a fucking dick. Well, he got, he got his. Yeah, he did get his. You know? (laughs) It just wasn't worth it. I just don't know. What was it? To go out and and fucking kill animals and sell the fur. It just doesn't. Well, what's, it really is interesting because it is like. You know, it is the root of what we deal with now, which is that we over-harvest for yeah. uh, money in the moment that is long-term foolish. That's the be- it's the beginning of that stuff, you know, yeah. where it's just sort of like, I mean, that's really what, I mean, I can't, I think we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about this on the show or not, but like, if if white people didn't get America, like, what would it, what would it, what would it be, it'd be like? It'd be fascinating to have another, it'd be fascinating to have an area that was that large, that uh, was just living the way the indigenous people live, yeah. and you could see the difference, and you'd be like, oh, well, that works. And yeah. the other thing doesn't. 
Well, even, I mean, you know, we could, we could uh, shellac the white man all day. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, it still is, yeah, it still is very much, it's like that, but just now on steroids. Yeah, it's good. It is good. Right? It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's a good Good feeling. time's coming. It's good. All right. Well... We sign uh, whoever pelted dealt it. <laughs> <laughs> we sign pelts. Turn off the lights, Aaron. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth. You know from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 